Hi, welcome to another episode of Serendipity Girl, discovering good and God. I'm your host, Colleen, and I'm on a quest to discover and celebrate things that are positive, true, excellent, and praiseworthy, which inspire me to gratitude. Well, the show would not be complete with this first segment, which I like to call Epicurean Adventures. It's the part of the show where I randomly select a recipe, try it, and report back. As you know, I've been making my way through Joanna Gaines' Magnolia Table, Volume 1. This time, my finger fell open to the page that had a hot fudge sauce. Yum, I hit the jackpot. You know, hot fudge sauce is great to make for ice cream. It's also good over a dessert that Joanna has that is a family dessert called Bevy's Chocolate Roll. It's where you take a chocolate cake, roll it up like a Swiss cake roll, and put whipped cream inside before you roll it up. Then you garnish it with confectioner's sugar, you know, the white powdered sugar, and then you drizzle, as if it needed anything else, this hot fudge sauce over it. Oh, my stars. You know what I love about Joanna Gaines' recipes is I can rely on them being tasty and crowd-pleasers. And you know, that's an important theme. We were talking last week about hammocks and resting and how we can rest in God's love, which is unfailing, everlasting, and inseparable. But this week, I want to talk about relying on God Just like I can rely on Joanna Gaines for some excellent recipes, you know, we can rely on various people and things, and we do rely on various people and things. We rely on a chair to hold us up. We rely on our beds to not fall down when we lie down on them. We rely on our cars and the people that made those cars, even though we've never met those people. We're trusting that they are dependable. Well, Who is more worthy of our faith and our reliance than God? And so I came up with an acronym called RELY, and each letter has a truth that helps me to unpack what it means to fully depend on and rely on God. Because let's face it, we can't really see Him or hear Him. It's all by faith, right? But here it goes. R stands for rest in God's words is true, not your feelings. You know, that's important because I'm emotionally rich and my feelings a lot of times can stand up and go perpendicular to what God says is true. And they'll give me a run for my money. But if I'm resting in God's words is true all the time, no matter how I feel, then I'm not worrying about a stronghold or an idol where I am trusting in something other than God. You want to watch out for that. And Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Trust in the Lord when it feels right, when it feels good. No. Trust in the Lord with all your heart heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. You know, the psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 81, my soul faints with longing for your salvation. 
but I have put my hope in your word. In other words, he is getting so tired of waiting on God to resolve his problem. But what does he do? He doesn't go with how he feels, even though he's fainting with longing for salvation. But he is putting his hope in God's word. So R, rest in God's words is true, because they're true all the time, but your feelings aren't. E, enjoy and rely on God's love and acceptance of you. Don't look to others to meet your needs for love and acceptance. Now, this son is a deep one for me because I'm really bad about looking to other people to fill my need for love and acceptance. And it can be so tiresome and it can wear people out, especially when you need them to encourage you all the time. But, you know, we can enjoy and rely on God's steadfast love and acceptance. And then that way, that allows us to be free to not try to perform for others' love and acceptance, but to realize I'm already loved and accepted, and I have this unlimited credit card from God that will never, ever run dry. He loves me. He accepts me as I am. Now, Max Lucado says, yes, God loves you exactly as you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. So he's in the process of conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus, in our character. But he loves and accepts us where we're at, right where we're at. Now, Paul said in Galatians, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And then he says in Romans 15, 7, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So he takes as a fact that Christ has accepted them already. So we can extend that acceptance to others, knowing that Christ has accepted not only us, but everyone else that has put their faith in Jesus. So accept others, warts and all. And they'll accept us, hopefully, the same way. But if they don't, again, remember, we can enjoy and rely on God's love and acceptance of us without looking to others to meet that need. Now, the L stands for let Christ live his life through you. Don't try to live the Christian life in your own strength. You know, this one is huge because in 1983, when I was in college, I went to a spring break camp. And while everyone else went to the beach, I stayed back because I just had a lot of things on my mind. And later I realized God was trying to get my attention. And finally, when I realized it was God trying to get my attention, I was like, what? (laughs) And he said, you're trying to live the Christian life in your own strength. Why don't you just give it all to me and let me live my life through you? Well, I did. And my life changed dramatically from that moment on. I often want to go back to that day and have a restart because it's so easy to try to live the Christian life in your own strength and just to gut it out. And that's what it looks like. You're just trying to gut it out, but it doesn't have the power. It doesn't have the peace and you're not at rest. You're exhausted because we were never meant to live the Christian life. There's only one person who can live the Christian life and that is Jesus. And he wants to live it through us, through the Holy Spirit, as we yield to him. Kind of like the analogy in John 15, where it talks about you being a branch 
that's plugged into Jesus like a branch that's plugged into a vine. And it says in John 15 verses 4 and 5, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's how we're supposed to live the Christian life, by faith. And surrendering to Jesus in the moment, every moment, and letting his Spirit fill and control us as he lives out his life, which is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Who couldn't use a little bit more of that? I know I could. So, why stands for you are who God says you are in Christ. Don't try to perform for God and others. You know, maybe it's just me, but I'm really bad about trying to perform for other people. It comes back to that love and acceptance thing because I don't recognize that I'm already loved and accepted in Christ. Oh, I recognize it in my head, but down where I'm living, in my heart, it's so easy to try to perform for love because that's what the old me used to do before I got saved. We would call that person the old Colleen or the flesh, your old thought patterns. And even though you're saved, you still have those old thought patterns that we have to recognize, no, I'm not working that way anymore. Kind of like the iPhone. If you get a new iPhone and they've made a change to some of the features, but you're still trying to treat that new phone like your old phone because they did it differently then. But once you're in Christ and you're saved, it's totally new. You don't keep doing the old things that never worked to begin with. And it takes a lifetime to get over that. So, you are who God says you are in Christ. This is called your identity in Christ. And we don't need to try and perform for God or perform for others. And we need to separate our performance and our behavior out from our identity. What you do and how you do it is not the same as who you are. Those are two separate entities. And Paul, who used to be Saul before he got saved, he had a perfect track record of being Mr. Religiosity. If anyone was almost perfect from a human standpoint in terms of doing everything that you're supposed to do in terms of working and being good enough that God might let you into heaven because of your works, which, by the way, no one is good enough. The Bible makes that clear. That's why Jesus died, because he's the only one who is sinless, and he's the only one who is good enough and put in a perfect performance. But Paul did have a really good track record. In Philippians 3, he talks about it. But he says, when he talks about all the things that he did right, that you could count on that could be his old identity, he said, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, trash, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, 
not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. You know, you can Google identity in Christ, scriptures, to see a list of Bible verses that describe who you are in Christ as a Christian. One of my favorites is in Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, and then it goes on to say what our behavior should be in light of who we are. Paul, when he wrote his letters, he had a formula, so to speak, whereas the first part of his letters, he would remind everyone of their identity in Christ and who they are. And then the latter part of the letter would be, okay, so since this is who you are, how should you live then? And then he would get into the more practical, but it always came out of, guys, know who you are in Christ. It's that important because the devil knows who you are and he wants to keep you from knowing who you are in Christ because he wants to keep us defeated. If he can keep us defeated, then we are ineffectual as Christians and no one's really going to want to become a Christian because they've seen our life. That's his goal. But we're smarter than that, right? By God's grace. So don't try to perform for God. But let your identity rest in Christ's performance for you. That's the basis for your identity. When we say your identity in Christ, it all comes through Him and what He did for you. So, to recap, to rely on Jesus means the following. R. Rest in God's words is true, not your feelings. E. Enjoy and rest in God's love and acceptance of you, not seeking love and acceptance from others. L. Let Christ live his life through you. Abide in him and let his spirit fill and control you and live through you. And why? You are who God says you are in Christ. Don't try to perform for God and others. Your performance is not the same thing as your identity. A life of reliance on Christ for all is a life of peace and rest. I don't know about you, but I could use a little more peace in my life that comes from just resting and being filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit as I abide in Jesus and let him live his life through me. You know, the Romans had aqueducts. And you can see them because they have beautiful arches underneath that still stand that you can still see in Italy and other places. But the thing with the aqueduct is, it was merely a channel to carry water the water would just flow through the aqueduct. All the aqueduct had to do was just let the water flow through it. It wasn't the water. It wasn't responsible for pushing the water through. It just concentrated on being the vehicle by which the water was propelled. And living in Christ is very much the same as we surrender to God and say, not my will, but yours be done in me and ask Him to fill us with His Spirit, He does. And then His Spirit lives out Jesus' perfect life through us. And when we mess up, we can say, Oh, Father, I messed up. And we can go back to being forgiven for having messed up and taking things back and trying to do things in our own strength and messing up. (laughs) And we can move on because 1 John 1, 9 says, If you confess your sins... He's faithful and just to forgive you. And that's a forgiveness that's 
restores the relationship, the fellowship, but the relationship is intact. You never lose your relationship when you sin. That's just one extra blessing of being a Christian. It's all forever because it's based on what Jesus did, not on what we do or promise we're going to do. So rely on Jesus. And if you've never put your trust in God and what he's done for you through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross for you, read the book of John or Google the book of John online and learn more about this gift of a relationship with Jesus that you can start enjoying today. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if this podcast encourages you, tell a friend to tune in on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcast, and more. Until next time, this is Serendipity Girl saying, Aviento, see you soon, and have a serendipitous day.